0: Section 13 of the Boy Scouts Handbook. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Boy Scouts Handbook by the Boy Scouts of America. Woodcraft Part 8. Insects and Butterflies. United States Bureau of Entomology. Illustrations are copies from Comstock's How to Know the Butterflies, through courtesy of D. Appleton and Company. There is an advantage in the study of insects over most other branches of nature, expecting perhaps plants, in that there is plenty of material. You may have to tramp miles to see a certain bird or wild animal, but if you will sit down on the first patch of grass you are sure to see something going on in the insect world. Butterflies nearly all insects go through several different stages the young bird is very much like its parent so is the young squirrel or a young snake or a young fish or a young snail but with most of the insects the young is very different from its parents all butterflies and moths lay eggs and these hatch into caterpillars which when full-grown transform to what are called pupae or chrysalids nearly motionless objects, with all of the parts soldered together under an enveloping sheath. With some of the moths the pupae are surrounded by silk cocoons spun by the caterpillars just before finally transforming to pupae. With all butterflies the chrysalids are naked, except with one species which occurs in Central America, in which there is a common silk cocoon. With the moths the larger parts spin cocoons, but some of them, like the owlet moths whose larvae are the cutworms, have naked pupae, usually under the surface of the ground. It is not difficult to study the transformations of the butterflies and moths, and it is always very interesting to feed a caterpillar until it transforms, in order to see what kind of butterfly or moth comes out of the chrysalis. Take the monarch butterfly for example. This is a large reddish brown butterfly, a strong flyer, which is seen often flying about in the spring and again in the late summer and autumn. This is one of the most remarkable butterflies in America. It is found all over the United States. It is one of the strongest flyers that we know. It passes the winter in the southern states as an adult butterfly, probably hidden away in cracks under the bark of trees or elsewhere. When spring comes the butterflies come out and begin to fly toward the north. Wherever they find the milkweed plant they stop and lay some eggs on the leaves. The caterpillars issue from the eggs, feed on the milkweed, transform to chrysalids. Then the butterflies issue and continue the northward flight, stopping to lay eggs farther north on other milkweeds. By the end of June or July some of these southern butterflies have found their way north into Canada and begin the return flight southward along in early august they will be seen at summer resorts in the catskill mountains and by the end of october they will have travelled far down into the southern states where they passed the winter the caterpillar of the monarch or milkweed butterfly is a very striking creature it is nearly two inches long when fully grown its head is yellow striped with black its body is white with narrow black and yellow cross stripes on each segment on the back of the second segment, of the thorax, there is a pair of black, whiplash-like filaments, and on the eighth joint there is a similar, shorter pair. When this caterpillar gets ready to transform to chrysalis, it hangs itself off by its tail-end, the skin splits and gradually draws back, and the chrysalis itself is revealed, pale pea-green in color, with golden spots. Anyone by hunting over a patch of milkweed anywhere in the United States during the summer is quite up to find these caterpillars feeding. It will be easy to watch them and see them transform, and eventually to get the butterfly. The same thing may be done with any one of the six hundred and fifty-two different kinds of butterflies in the United States. Moths When it comes to moths there is much greater variety. Instead of six hundred and fifty-two there are fifty-nine hundred and seventy in dr Dreyer's big catalogue perhaps the most interesting of these caterpillars are the big native silkworms like those of the cecropia moth the luna moth the polyphemus moth or the promethea moth these caterpillars are very large and are to be found feeding upon the leaves of different trees and all spin strong silken cocoons people have tried to reel these cocoons thinking they might be able to use a silk to make silk cloth as with the domestic silkworm of commerce but they have been unable to reel them properly the polyphemus moth for example has been experimented with a great deal it is found over a greater part of the united states and its caterpillar feeds upon a great variety of trees and shrubs such as oak butternut hickory basswood elm maple birch chestnut sycamore and many others the caterpillar is light green and has raised lines of silvery white on the side. It grows to a very large size and spins a dense hard cocoon, usually attached to leaves. There are two generations in the southern states and one in the northern states. The moth which comes out of the cocoon has a wing spread of fully five inches. It is reddish-gray or somewhat buff in color, with darker bands near the edge of the wings, which themselves are pinkish on the outside and with a large clear spot near the centre of the forewing and a regular eye-spot clear in part and blue in the rest in the centre of the hindwing one wishing to know about butterflies and moths should consult a book entitled how to know the butterflies by prof j h comstock of cornell university and his wife mrs comstock published by d appleton co of new york or the Butterfly Book, by Dr. W. J. Holland of Pittsburgh, published by Doubleday, Page, and Co., of New York, and The Moth Book, also by Dr. Holland, and published by the same firm. Other Insects There are many more different kinds of insects than there are of flowering plants. And if we were to add together all of the different kinds of birds, mammals, reptiles, fishes, crabs, mollusks, and all of the lower forms of animal life, they would not altogether amount to so many different kinds as there are insects. This makes the classification of insects quite complicated. There are eighteen or nineteen main orders, and each one is subdivided almost indefinitely. There is not one of these that is not full of interest. The habits of ants, for example, living in communities by themselves afford a tremendous opportunity for interesting observation. A good book about them has been recently written by Dr. W. M. Wheeler of Harvard entitled Ants Their Structure Development and Behavior, published by the Columbia University Press, New York. Many insects live in the water, and to follow their life histories in small homemade aquaria is one of the most interesting occupations one could have and there is a lot to be learned about these insects go to any stagnant pool and you will find it swarming with animal life larvae or wigglers of mosquitoes and a number of other aquatic insects will be found feeding upon these wigglers water bugs of different kinds will be found and the life histories of most of these were until quite recently almost unknown BEETLES AND WASPS The order Coleoptera, comprising what we know as beetles, has thousands of species, each one with its own distinctive mode of life, some of them feeding upon other insects, others boring into wood, others feeding upon flowers, others upon leaves, and so on in endless variety. The wasps also will bear study. Here, too, there is a great variety some of them building the paper nests known to every one others burrowing into the surface of the ground and storing up in these burrows grasshoppers and other insects for food for their young which are grub-like in form others still burrowing into the twigs of bushes and others making mud nests attached to the trunks of trees or to the clapboards of houses or outbuildings this is just a hint at the endless variety of habits of insects the United States National Museum publishes a bulletin by Mr. Nathan Banks entitled Directions for Collecting and Preserving Insects, which gives a general outline of the classification and should be possessed by everyone who wishes to take up the study from the beginning. FISHES By Dr. Hugh M. Smith, Deputy Commissioner, United States Fisheries there is no more fascinating and profitable study than the fish life of the lakes, ponds, rivers, brooks, bays, estuaries, and coasts of the United States. And no more important service can be rendered our American boys than to teach them to become familiar with our native food and game fishes, to realize their needs, and by example and precept to endeavor to secure for the fishes fair consideration and treatment. CLASSES OF FISH Fishes may be roughly classified as 1. freshwater, 2. migratory between fresh and salt water, and 3. marine. Among the families of American freshwater fishes that are conspicuous on account of their size, abundance, or economic importance, or all of these, there may be mentioned the sturgeons, the catfishes, the suckers, the minnows or carps, the pikes, the killifishes, the trouts, salmons and white fishes the perches and the basses and sun fishes migratory fish the migratory fishes fall into two groups the anadromus and the catatomus the anadromus fishes pass most of their lives in the sea run upstream only for the purpose of spawning and constitute the most valuable of our river fishes in this group are the shads and the alewives or river herrings, the white perch, the striped bass or rockfish, some of the sturgeons, and the Atlantic salmon, all of which go back to sea after spawning, and the Pacific salmons, five species, all of which die after spawning. Of the catadromous fishes there is a single example in our waters, the common eel. It spends most of its life in the fresh waters and sometimes becomes permanently landlocked there and runs down to the sea to spawn, laying its eggs offshore in deep water. Marine fish. The marine fishes that are found in the coastal waters of the United States number many hundred species, some of them of great value as food. Among the most important are cod, haddock, hake, halibut, flounder, herring, bluefish, mackerel, weakfish, or squetegee. Mullet, snapper, drum, and rock fishes. Studying fish. The study of living fishes is most entertaining and is rendered somewhat difficult by the medium in which they live, by their shyness, and by the necessity of approaching closely in order to obtain any accurate view. The spawning, feeding, swimming, and other habits of very few of our fishes are so well known that further information thereon is not needed. And the Boy Scout's patience, skill, and powers of observation will be reflected in the records that may be and should be kept about the different fishes met with. Fishes may be studied from a bank, wharf, or boat, or by wading, and the view of the bottom and the fishes on or adjacent thereto may be greatly improved by the use of a water bucket, an ordinary wooden pail whose bottom is replaced by a piece of window glass. A more elaborate arrangement for observation is to provide at the bow of a rowboat a glass bottom box over which may be thrown a hood so that the student is invisible to the fishes identification of specimens while many of the fishes in a given section are easily recognizable there are in every water fishes which on account of their small size rarity retiring habits or close similarity to other fishes are unknown to the average boy these latter fishes often afford the most interesting subjects for study and in all parts of the country it is possible for energetic observers and collectors to add to the list of fishes already recorded from particular districts when fishes cannot be identified in the field the larger ones may be sketched and notes taken on their collar while the smaller ones may be preserved with salt, formalin, or any kind of spirits. Specimens and drawings may be forwarded for identification to the Zoological Department of the local State University, to the State Fish Commission, to the Bureau of Fisheries, Washington, D.C., or to the United States National Museum, in the same city. Angling this most delightful of outdoor pastimes requires for its enjoyment no elaborate or expensive paraphernalia a rod cut on the spot a cork float an ordinary hook baited with angleworm grasshopper grub mayfly or any of a dozen other handy lures will answer for most occasions at the same time the joys of fishing will often be increased if one possesses and learns how to use a light jointed rod with real Fine line and artificial baits. The necessary equipment for scientific angling is so light and compact that it should form a part of the outfit of everyone who spends much time in the open air. It should be the invariable practice of anglers to return to the water all uninjured fish that are not needed for food or study. It is not all of fishing to fish and no thoughtful boy who has the interests of the country at heart and no lover of nature will go fishing merely for the purpose of catching the longest possible string of fish thus placing himself in the class of anglers properly known as fish-hogs special service by boy scouts Valuable service may be rendered by Boy Scouts in all parts of the country by bringing to the attention of the proper state, county, or municipal authorities matters affecting the welfare of the fishes. Among the subjects that should be reported to fish commissioners, fish wardens, or local fish officers are 1. All cases noticed where fish are being killed by dynamite, poisons, or other illegal and improper means. 2 threatened destruction of fish by the drying of streams and ponds three the existence of obstructions to the passage of fish on their way to their spawning grounds all dams in streams in which are migratory fish should have fishways or fish ladders end of section thirteen